Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And today's episode of The Toolbox and The One Thing have been brought to you in partnership with the Christian Standard Bible Podcast. I thought a podcast about how the Bible changed the world would be easy and encouraging. I was wrong. Join me as I explore the overlooked, complicated, and surprising ways God's Word is living and effective. Subscribe on iTunes and learn more at livingandeffective.com. I'm Scott Sanders, and joining me on today's episode, we've got my good friend, Sam Chan. Welcome, Sam Chan. Woohoo! Thanks for having me, Scott. <laughs> we don't do voiceovers on okay. the uh, One Thing podcast. We're very professional. We are this very professional. Now. That's it. We don't mock guests. It's all <laughs> very above board here. Now, welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. We're excited to be part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We joined the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network uh, because we're on the same page. We want to serve the church in her mission of making disciples by providing and promoting podcasts that help grow believers and the local church. Now, the one thing's brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and you've pressed play on episode number 35, Personal Evangelism. Now, I've got a mate uh, who is a Michaud in France. His name's Josh Apazonic. And it was interesting just uh, hearing his, you know, hearing from him recently in a recent prayer letter. He talked about this. He said, we invited all our neighbours for Aperos. I, I reckon I'm, I'm getting that fancy, you know, pre-dinner drinks French word completely wrong. <laughs> now, it's not normal, but, but, uh, but you get away with all sorts of bizarre things when you're new and a foreigner, Josh says. Actually, we got the idea from a colleague and then off Sam Chan, the Australian evangelist. Look at that title they've given you. The, the Australian evangelist. I'd say an event, but hey, <laughs> we'll go with the. And we encourage anyone to do it, even if you've lived in your place for years. Why not? You could say something like, hey, we thought it'd be nice to spend some time with people in our building street that we never get a chance to talk with. Uh, we were worried no one would come, but eight out of 12 apartments Whoa. showed up. Now, it's just interesting. Now, Josh, Josh is not backward in coming forward. He's been a chaplain. Uh, he's theologically trained. He's led church. He's started churches. He's a Michaud in France. You know, he's, he's actually gone to one of the hardest secular countries in Europe. Yet there's a lack of confidence in actually inviting, you know, inviting people into his own home and actually, you know, seeking to have relationships to start conversations. Wh- why is this, Sam? What, what's different in the 21st century? Uh, what, what is different? You know, what makes it so hard for personal evangelism today? Oh, there's so many reasons why personal evangelism is hard. But one is, as you pointed out, the isolationism. Uh, Western individualism has gone so far off the grid in terms of individualism. We are not just lonely alone, but we're isolated. We actually do not talk to our neighbours anymore. So what Josh has done there is fantastic, where I argue as Christians, we now need to be the social hub, the social glue to bring everyone back together. And I think there's a human hunger for community. I, I, my kids go to a local public school and I'm just surprised how the local public school has now become the village hub. You know, they put on movies at night and you're meant to have these outdoor picnics as you watch a movie in the local public primary school. So it's become the village hub. But as Christians, we can become the social glue, the village hub, just by putting on community events in our street, in our apartment, in our block. And I argue we need to merge our universes, get our Christian friends to become friends with our non-Christian friends. And bit by bit, as we 
become the social glue. We earn enough social capital that we become the de facto chaplain in this community, that people will, in times of crisis, come to us because we've earned enough of their trust and to, to be their chaplain. Now, now you're not talking about just friendship evangelism. It's not that cold. We want you to be friends with people so that you can evangelize them. You're not even using the biblical, you know, command, you know, make disciples of, uh, of all the nations. Uh, you're just saying there's a there's a reality in our in our current culture that that people are isolated and and Christians as those who ought to love their neighbour and as those who ought to take the gospel out into their local communities should be this glue should be actually seeking intentionally to you know to merge these universes and to be these people yeah and then just using that metaphor of how can I be the de facto chaplain in this community in these people's lives and the other reason why it's so hard to to evangelize right now is the very strong sacred secular divide which the West has. This is a very uniquely Western problem that in our public spaces we're only allowed to be secular. There can't be any sacred conversations. There was just a New York Times article just a, you know, a few days ago on how we can't even have God talk in the public without it feeling weird. Now, that means it's not just us Christians who are struggling with this. All our non-Christian friends are also struggling. Like surveys still show that the majority of Australians, three out of four in some surveys, still have a faith. They're spiritual. They believe in a personal God. They believe in life after death. And even they think, well, how I can't talk about these things without sounding weird. And for the one out of five who don't believe in a personal God, even that is a faith-based position. Mm. And maybe they would love to have a deep conversation that goes beyond interest, beyond, you know, the colour of the sky and the latest sports score, because that is what's deepest and most meaningful to us. And if we can be that safe, sacred space to our friends, they will open up and they'll actually enjoy the conversation. So... So th- this just sounds easy for you. You know, I, I guess mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of people would think, oh, well, it's easy for Sam. He, he's a great speaker. Uh, you know, he loves people. Uh, you know, clearly it's easy for him to just go and, and start these these conversations. Well, is, is that true? Is, is it true? Well, have, have, I, have, I, have I missed well, it? Well, one, it's true that it is easy to start these conversations. But two, people totally misread me. I'm what's called a loud Introvert, like I can be very loud. <laughs> Definitely loud. I don't think people are misrepresented in you public there. spaces. But boy, I need my alone time. And the last thing I feel like is a deep and meaningful conversation with a with a friend. I I I would prefer some recharge time. But you know, I was blown away by this. Like someone explained to me, and it was Andrew Andrew Cate who put it perfectly. There's actually a spectrum of conversations when it comes to evangelism. At one end of the spectrum is the public evangelist, someone like me, who, who is allowed to do a 20-minute monologue where I just talk and they have to listen to me and they know very little about my personal life. And then in the middle of the spectrum is where you end up in a conversation with a stranger on a bus or train or plane where they talk for one minute, you talk for one mm. minute, they mm. talk for one minute, you talk for one minute. So you talk for 50% of the time and you listen for 50% of the time. But down the other end of the spectrum, when we're talking about friends and family, mm. it's actually they do 99% of the talking. They monologue, and our job is to listen and just chip in every now and then and just talk 1% of the time. So our job then is to be the de facto chaplain, to be the de facto counsellor, and just learn how to lean forward and just ask questions like, say, how, how are you feeling? How are you really feeling? Why do you say that? Wow. 
how did that make you feel? And bit by bit, people will open up. And I teach people, they're really safe questions we can ask. Like, did you, do you have a faith? Do you pray? And someone's even pointed out an even safer question is, what faith did your parents have and how were you raised, you know, faith-wise? And that's a very safe, descriptive thing. And bit by bit, if people feel safe, they will open up and they'll give us a chance to talk as well. Now, that's really helpful. I, I, I do want to press in in our second part of our conversation sure. into that practical stuff. But we are going to have to come to I, – I, people are telling me this is the favourite part of the, uh, the One Thing wow. podcast. That is, it doesn't that say is, much about the rest of the that podcast. Is then. The, <laughs> that, is the, uh, that is the toolbox time. So let's open up the toolbox. Cue the sound effects. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I, want to, uh, I want to talk about a, a, number of, a number of resources that I think are really helpful in this space. I think part of part of uh, people's lack of confidence is they actually don't have a framework or a structure. So can I encourage you to 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 read and learn a a evangelistic tool that could be two ways to live, bridge to life. Um, find find something you can actually hang it off. That's not going to answer everyone's epistemological framework. Uh, it's not going to answer everyone's questions, but it is going to give the person a confidence to have some of the big key areas. And so two ways to live something that, that I grew up on and still find really helpful. Uh, just in terms of a couple of books, uh, Sam, you, you encourage, you're encouraging people at the moment to read Making Sense of God by Tim Keller. Tell, tell us oh, why. Making Sense of God by Tim Keller. And just by reading this, you can see how the landscape for evangelism has changed so much. When I was at university, we were using Josh McDowell's Evidence Demands a Verdict. And that was really giving the facts evidence. And from that, people could make up their minds and become a Christian. But now we're so post-Christian, so post-church. People have so many defeated beliefs against Christianity that we had, we had to have Tim Keller's book, Reason for God, 10 years ago, which addressed defeated beliefs. But now we're even post-post-Christian, post-post-church, post-post-reached. People aren't even asking those questions anymore. They're, they don't even want to hear what Christians have to say. So enter Tim Keller's Making Sense of God, where he actually describes, critiques, and deconstructs the secular framework and then shows how Jesus is the only way that people can find the freedom, the identity, and the security, and the status that they're looking for, that the secular framework will not give it to them. So that's a great resource to put in the hands of uh, people in your congregation, get them to read, to have that confidence to be able to you know, answer, raise some of those ap- apologetic questions. Just a couple of quick tools as well for your congregation members. You might want to uh, give someone a copy of Doubter's Guide to Jesus, uh, an excellent, uh, it's, it's the Bible, but an excellent introduction uh, from John Dixon that, that can allow people to actually have a copy of God's Word and, uh, and, and have, a I guess, an, an into that. Uh, another great tool is the, the one-to-one resource as well. If you want to open up and read the Bible with someone, I reckon that often for, for a non-Christian, for someone who hasn't been around the Bible, it's not very familiar, that can be you know, quite daunting. So using the one-to-one ministry uh, resource, which is, which is really just God's Word, in a, in, a, in a simple printed out format. Now, the final one is, it's another podcast. Uh, Rob Marnon from City Bible Forum in Melbourne has, has got a really uh, a really good podcast uh, called Bigger Questions. That's something that, that your people can be listening to, but also that you can be introducing to non-Christian mates oh, as well. It's deliberately, Bigger Questions, podcast from City Bible Forum, is deliberately designed to be fast and fun. It's only 20 minutes, and they go from a very contemporary topic and, and they eventually get you to Jesus and the Bible in about 20 minutes. And they put on some world experts. Like they've had um, Ian Harper from the Federal Reserve Bank on, Anna McGowan, who's an Australian actor from Underbelly or something. Yep. So, so just really good, engaging speakers as well. And 
it's fun, it's relevant, it's an easy way to introduce yourself and your friends to Jesus in 20 minutes. Excellent. Well, uh, let's close the toolbox and let's get back to some uh, practical tips for actually talking about Jesus. I've actually found your book really helpful in in in, in giving that that introductory question. So you talked about it just before we went to the break. Uh, you know, do you have a faith? Yeah. Can you tell me about the faith that you grew up with? I am using that all the time to mm. actually open up and 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 hear someone's you know viewpoint on where where they're at with uh, with Jesus. Uh, can you tell us how do you help people to be able to talk about Jesus and get to that gospel conversation? Oh, well, I find get the other person talking as much as you can. So I say, if you ask someone, how was your weekend? And you let them go for one minute. Sooner or later, social etiquette means they have to say, well, how was your weekend? And they give you a minute. But if you can get them talking for 10 minutes, then sooner or later they have to say, well, how was your weekend? And they'll give you 10 minutes. And if you can get someone saying, well, do you have a faith? And get them talking for about 10 minutes. Sooner or later, they will say, well, tell me about your faith. And now you have about 10 minutes. And if you've been listening to them uh, and their worldview, then you would be able to tell them, I try telling them a story about Jesus from the Bible that fits exactly what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. My favorite story is Jesus turning water into wine because no one has a category for that. In the original Greek, it says, uh, the, the master ceremony says, wow, normally when the guests have had enough, that's when you bring out you know, the, the cheap, the cheap wine. Stuff, yeah. But in the Greek, it says when the guests are drunk. So the reason they've run out of wine is they've drunk or the wine they're drunk. So Jesus has no right to give them more wine, and yet he gives them more wine, more good wine, and too much more good wine. Mm-hmm. And how do we explain that? So I flip that to the, the non-believer. How do you explain this story? Mm. And then from that, I can usually say things like, this is an image of what life with Jesus would be like both now and the life to come. So if you think by following Jesus, you will miss out. No, it's the opposite. By not following Jesus, you will, you will miss out. And then they usually ask me a question like, do you believe in life after death or what is grace? Something like that. So they're often the questions I'm asked. And I say, wow, to answer that, um, and usually I say, let me tell you what Christians believe. And just like you say, it's good to have a framework. The framework I use is manger, cross, king, mm-hmm. which I got from Timothy Keller. So I say something about the incarnation, the manger. I say, we Christians believe that Jesus, the son of God, came to us as a human 2,000 years ago. And maybe throw in a sentence about his ministry. He raised a dead girl back to life, gave a blind man his sight again. Uh, he reached out to the marginalized. And then cross. So say something about the atonement. But more than that, he died for us. Uh, and if we believe this, this will wash away all our sin, guilt and shame. But more than this, and this is the king, there will be a day he comes back and he sets up a physical kingdom here on earth. That means we can be part of Team Jesus and right now, we can be part of his restoration process of bringing his life uh, of love, mercy, and justice here on this earth. And then from that framework, they're going to say, from that, this is what grace means, or this is what it means to have life after death. So, so that's my usual strategy. When they ask me about my faith, I tell them a story about Jesus from the Bible. When they ask the next question, that's when I give them manger cross king as a framework and then answer their question from that. Now, now you are the Australian evangelist. So very, very, <laughs> very, very easy. No way. <laughs> very easy for you to do this. How, you know, how, how can a pastor actually help 
you know, grow his church in confidence in, you know, in, in these little, these little bites. This is not something that you, you've just come to overnight. You've been thinking about this. Mm. Uh, you've been practicing this. You've been failing, you mm. know, failing oh, lots. Definitely. Uh, and also, and also seeing fruit as well. So how might a pastor go about actually, you know, putting these pieces in someone's tool bag? Well, it's what I have when I see the dishes in the sink and I think it's overwhelming. They're too many. It's too much. And my wife says, break it down into baby steps. Like start with a fork, start with a cup and bit by bit. So evangelism seems overwhelming as a task, but just break it up into baby steps. So my wife's first baby step for evangelism is she always texts her friend and says, hey, uh, my husband and I are praying. Uh, can we pray for you? Mm. That's her first baby step. And boy, that just opens up everything, mm. especially because she's already earned the social trust and cachet, and that invites people into our sacred space. And I think just start with that baby step. Tell someone you want to pray for them, and how can you pray for them this week? Great. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. Now, we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, what is the one thing that... You still haven't mentioned the name of my book. Well, I haven't. I'll get there. I'll okay. get there. I'll get there. Don't worry. I'll get there. I said that we'd plug it. Boy, what a long wait. What is this a lot? <laughs> People have stopped listening by now. That's the problem. So what's the one thing other than buying and purchasing Sam Chan's book, uh, Evangelism in a Skeptical World, uh, other than buying that book, what's the one thing people need to do? as they think about this topic of personal evangelism. I pray and love people the same way Jesus loves. Excellent. And you can find out all about that and more in Sam's book. Which is <laughs> called Evangelism in a Skeptical, Skeptical World. World. How to make the unbelievable news of Jesus more believable. If you've liked what you've heard today, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment just to rate the show on iTunes and even leave a comment. You can also grab a whole bunch of resources from Sam uh, that he's spoken to and uh, and. And, and given us over the last few years on the uh, on the Geneva Push website, so genevapush.com, uh, and you'll also find links into his uh, into his excellent book as well. Now, thanks for joining us for another another episode of the One Thing. Coming up in our next episode, we're going to be hearing from Toby Neal, and it's it's a helpful follow-on. We're actually going to be hearing about evangelistic courses. So once someone's been evangelised, uh, they've got more questions often, and and they're a lot further back than, than they were, say, 20 years ago. Evangelistic courses are a great tool to actually help someone really investigate you know, deeply uh, the claims of Jesus and who he is and also bring them into the community of, uh, of a church as well. So we're going to hear Toby Neal on that. Ah, oh, Toby, I like Toby. He's got that hipster beard that Chinese people can only dream of having. <laughs> now, I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. If there is a podcast that's a must listen for me, other than the one thing, can I encourage you to click on the one thing and download that and keep keep subscribing? It's the Five LQ podcast. Good friends of mine, good mates of mine, Todd Adkins and Daniel Im will provide you with practical leadership takeaways that you can implement every week. In each episode, they ask five questions, the same five questions, but of a different guest on a particular topic or a book. So if you're a leader serving in a church, on the church or outside of it, this podcast is for you. 5LQ Podcast.